Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. feel in this house. The presence of God that I have felt in worship tonight confirms the direction that I believe God has established for this message this evening. I am bringing you a message tonight that is not intended to be uh, condemning. It is not intended to be Uh, anything other than biblically instructional. But I believe God wants us to hear it tonight. The book of John, chapter number 4. How many is glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? You know, let me just just say this before before we begin tonight. Um, When you're going through something, And I know there's people in this house tonight going through things. This is where you need to be and this is what you need to be doing. And it is the enemy's job, make no mistake about it, it is the enemy's job to convince you otherwise. Satan wants nothing more than to stop the church. But if we can do what the children of Israel did when they had the whips on their back and just keep working, God will not only bless it, He will multiply it. Amen. Let's read. John chapter 4 and verse 23. But the hour cometh, and now is. (laughs) I mentioned it this morning. I I had to be remiss not to say it again, but this is yet another verse that whenever I say it, I hear bishop in my head. When the true worshipers, everybody say true, true, shall worship. The Father, in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. I want to minister with the help of the Lord tonight on this subject. It's in your worship. I want to help somebody tonight, but it might take us a journey to get there. It's in your worship. You may be seated. Worship. You hear it ad nauseum in a Pentecostal church. And let, let me just say tonight, if... If the constant focus of worship gets on your nerves, you're my target audience tonight. 
Not because of ceremony. I already feel my help tonight. I'm not nervous at all. Not because of ceremony and not because of formality and not because we're expected as Pentecostals to worship. Because I've been in plenty Pentecostal churches that don't worship. But we focus on it. Because the simple meaning of the word tells us that worship is an adoring reverence. It is worth, W-R-T-H, worth-ship. When we speak of worship, I've got to pace myself here so I don't lose my voice early. When we speak of worship, we are speaking about rendering unto God a response that comes from, it's not emotionalism, but yes, it does come from an emotion. It's rendering unto Him a response that describes unto Him by what we're doing that says, God, this is how much I think you're worth. According to worship.com, yes, that's a real thing. In 2012, they described worship as everything you think, everything you say, and everything you do, revealing that you treasure, that which you treasure and value most in life. That agrees with something that I heard years ago. I have said it ever since. That is that worship should be our lifestyle. Not just an act that we perform on Sunday. Amen. That's right. It should be everything we are. It should be everything we think. It should be everything we stand for. It should reveal that which I treasure and value most in my life. So I I start tonight, and I've not come to provoke you necessarily. However, if God's Word does that, amen, and so be it. But I ask you a question tonight. What does your worship reveal about you? What does your worship Say that you treasure and value. What is worship? It is the submission of all of our nature to God. It is the quickening of conscience by His holiness. It is the nourishment of our mind with His truth. It is the purifying of our imagination by His beauty. It is the opening of our hearts by His love. It is the surrender of our will. There's the key right there. To His purpose. The reason why some people won't worship is because they don't have surrender in their life. When you get a spirit of submission in your life, you'll worship. But worship requires you to give value to something that's greater than yourself. And there's no one that our enemy of our soul, the devil, wants us to prioritize more over God than ourselves. We don't admit it. We don't say those words. But our actions speak. 
When we make statements of, well, I just don't feel like it tonight. I just don't know that I really want to engage tonight. You know, let, 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 me, let me stop right here and just give you a commercial break this evening. It should be an indictment to those of us that are under the age of 50 whenever our elders who are 70 plus out worship us. That should embarrass us, it should convict us, and it should put us on our face before God. We're not demonstrating worth and value. I thank God for Sister Margaret Garrett three weeks or so ago up here worshiping. She was the only one praying with someone in an altar. Ladies and gentlemen, what are we going to do when our elders aren't here? We need to grab a worship spirit. We need to grab a worship lifestyle. I need to get into the presence of God and I need to worship Him. Now, if I look mad tonight, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at the devil. And I feel like I could run through a troop and leap over a wall right now. Holy Ghost, help me. Worship is our response, both personally and corporately, to God for who He is and for what He's done. And let me tell you, He's brought me a mighty long way. So when I come into His presence, I owe Him. I can never repay him, but I owe him. I owe him for getting me out of the bar. I owe him for getting me off a of crack. I owe him for getting me out of prostitution. I owe him for getting me off the streets. I owe him for getting me out of sin. I owe him my best. Somebody shout hallelujah. I once heard someone say that the size of your worship is determined by the size of your God. In other words, if my view of God is teeny tiny, my response in worship to Him will be small. It will be insignificant and it will be quiet. However, on the other hand, if I believe I serve a big God, then my worship experience in the house of God should demonstrate my belief in the vastness, in the magnitude, in the awesome wonder of how great and majestic and big my God really is. Oh, somebody help me preach now. There's something about getting into the presence of God that when the Holy Ghost moves, Chains are broken. When the Holy Ghost moves, lives are changed. Spirits fall. I don't come to church to have an insignificant worship. He's an awesome God. There's scripture after scripture that talks about the greatness of God. None, for me at least. Maybe it's different for you. Maybe you get into Numbers and Deuteronomy and you want to worship. And if so, God bless you. 
maybe you can take me through a Bible study. (laughs) But there's no one that leads me into worship the way David does. In Psalms chapter 8, in verse number 3, he says, When I consider the heavens, listen to the poetry and the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars. Is that not moving you already? When you got to think about the words on the page. Don't just say them. Think about them. The moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of him? What is it about God that he cares enough about us to bless us with his presence? I'll never understand it. I'll never be able to rationalize it. I probably won't ever be able to explain it. But I'm thankful tonight when I consider how big God really is. Now here's something. I don't care how long you've been in church. You got to get it in your crawl and you got to stick it there and keep it there. We don't need to lose the awe inspiring nature of what it meant to us to be saved. Too many of us have forgotten what our altar experience was like the first time. I can look at some of your faces tonight and I can remember what your altar experience was like the first time. And if you, let me say this tonight boldly with love, with compassion, with sincerity and under the anointing of the Holy Ghost that I feel. If you're not doing the same thing in worship today that you did 20 years ago, you've walked away from God and you need to get back to an altar and you need to have a worship experience because God's not changed God's not smaller than he was and God still deserves your best. God deserves your best. Look at your neighbor tonight and high five him. Tell him he gets the best. Now you're committed. (laughs) Humans, we tend to worship. I'll breathe if I want to. My watch is going off. It's right, I need to breathe right now, but I don't have time. We humans tend to worship what we see. We worship what appeals to our emotion. The golden calf represented an Egyptian fertility cult. Hear me. There's not a person under the sound of my voice present tonight that I know that I believe with anything. I do not believe. Let me me make sure I say this correctly. I do not believe that there is a person in present company tonight that would ever bow and worship an Egyptian fertility cult. Now, if that's your heart's desire, please don't come tell me. But I don't believe there's anybody here tonight that would do that intentionally. But I will tell you tonight that there's not one single thing that separates you and me from the children of Israel except the Holy Ghost. We've got something they didn't have. 
So he needs to be first. Now, let, 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 let me make this clear. Commercial break. I'm not trying to make you shout tonight. Because worship is more than a shout. But let me be clear about this tonight because we've tiptoed around this for years, myself included. Let me be clear about this. Worship includes your shout. And if you used to shout and you're no longer shouting, what happened to your worship? It's alright, we're going to get there. Here's the problem. The children of Israel turned to the Egyptian fertility cult because Moses was on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain longer than they thought he should be. Stay with me now. Because when you start second guessing your men of God, you about to bow down to an Egyptian cult god. It will affect your worship. I'm going to get to later why. But I'm telling you right now, it will affect your worship. And, and, and part of my commercial break is this. We're not repeating last Sunday night. We're picking up from what that lesson taught us. God's trying to wake the church up. And right now, I'm not talking to the apostolic church in general. I'm preaching the first apostolic church tonight. God's trying to awaken us in this hour. It started weeks ago, and God's still trying to wake us up to restore to us former days, to restore to us former worship. I've not come to condemn anybody tonight, but I must preach, thus saith the word of the Lord. And I must tell you tonight, we've lost our worship. We've lost our spirit of praise. And we need to get back to what the devil has taken from us and remember the bigness and the greatness and the wonder of almighty God this is not an hour to play church this is not an hour to just come to church and not have church in you this is an hour tonight ladies and gentlemen to let our worship respond to the spirit of God here Lies the problem. We, mankind, we like control. We talked about this in our connect group thank God for room 3 I don't know about the rest of you God bless you too but I'm thankful for room 3 hey, two can play that game buddy <laughs> yeah, if you missed it you missed it we talked about this isn't in my notes but let me pause here and I can't afford to pause too much because I've got somewhere to get to. The pastor's message last Sunday morning on intoxication. Oh, shetala moyanda mokosata. Somebody hear me right now. That was not just a message to fill a gap on a calendar. That was God speaking to us. And that was God ministering to us 
When, we talked about this in Connect Group, when was the last time that you felt so inebriated by the presence of God? And it, let, let, let me give you a newsflash tonight, and this is part of my message. That does not happen unless you want it. We maintain, I'm preaching to myself right now, all right? We like to maintain a sense of control. Some of you won't move until God's on you so powerfully that you don't have a choice. Now let me pause right here and say, that's all good and great, but that's not the will of God. So worship, it's not about your sense of control. Worship is yielding to God. Yielding to God. That, that's, a, that's a phrase that many of us heard when we came for the Holy Ghost. Yield. I know some say hold on, some say give up. I, I get that. Yield. Yield to that. What's that mean? It means surrender. Surrender. There's some of you, I thought you were never going to surrender. Then God moved. Why did God move? Because you persevered in your worship. You didn't give up. We need to reach. We must, it's, it's imperative as the church. We must reach a place in our relationship with God. If we are going to have a relationship with God, we need to reach a place in our walk with Him that we are willing to surrender total control to Him. Now, you, I know I'm, I'm losing you by the second, but this is still true. You can come to church, and you need to. You can come to church, and you can not worship. You still need to be here. But you seasoned saints of God. You know who needs to not be worshiping? People that don't know any different. People that's never heard this. People that have never experienced. I can understand them, Brother Malone, maybe not clapping their hands. I can understand them not standing. I can understand them not lifting their hands. I can't understand us Holy Ghost filled people that knew what it meant to get His Spirit, not engaging with His Spirit in work. I can't understand it. That's not the will of God. That's not the will of God for this church. That's not the will of God for this people. It is God's will that we surrender control and let Him have His way through His Word and through His presence. Jesus. Jesus Himself established a pattern for us in surrender when he said Father Luke twenty two forty two, Father if thou be willing remove this cup from me nevertheless not my will but thine be done we must never come to the place 
where the joy and the wonder and the enthusiasm goes out of our worship. Let's lift our hands right now and love him. Come on, somebody call on his name. You will stay in love with what you have a relationship with. I can remember as a child, I grew up in an apostolic church. Slept in guitar cases and underneath pews. I knew what it was like to go to church, but I didn't always like it. I, I can remember. My parents, I feel they, they, they did the best they could with me. And God had to do the rest. Lord, have mercy. Help them, forgive them, touch them. Bless them in Jesus' name. But I can remember as a child, old enough that I remember it. We come to church again. Are you serious? We're going to a revival service two and a half hours away? Are you in your right mind? I'm illustrating. I didn't talk to my parents like that or I wouldn't be alive today. But I did question it a few times. If not by my words, by my look. Not that I have a look. I know where you sleep. Until I had a relationship with him. And when I got a relationship with him... 12 years old, and they said, hey, we're going to Brother Clemens this Saturday night. I started thinking, what suit am I going to wear? What time am I going to put on? It's time to go to church. Because you will stay in love with what you develop a relationship. reason why people get divorced is because they don't stay in love, because they don't develop relationships. You give up on relationship to your spouse, don't expect to still have a relationship with God unless you cultivate it. You've got to cultivate your relationship. Relationships don't happen by accident. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes prayer. And yes, it takes worship. Now, we're not even off the runway yet. i got to hurry. We often speak of worship in relation to enthusiasm. Coming to the Lord with enthusiasm. Coming to church expecting something we need to do. Enthusiasm. It's hard to have enthusiasm about something you don't engage with. Demonstrating our worship with enthusiasm. All good and true. So much so that the word enthusiasm, this is according to dictionary.com. The word enthusiasm stems from the Greek word enthous. I don't speak Greek, don't know if it's right or not. Right now, I don't care. But it means possessed by God. And inspired. When was the last?
last time you came to church possessed by God and inspired? Why, Brother Mason, why does all hell break loose in my life right before I come to church? Because Satan doesn't want you coming to the house of God possessed by God and inspired by his Holy Ghost. We need to get something in our spirit that says, Satan, get behind me. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to church. I'm going to church. I'm getting in the presence of God. Ah! I want to be inspired. There, there was a congregation that decided to have four worship services every Sunday. There was one for those new to the faith, another for those who like traditional worship, one for those who had lost their faith and wanted to get it back, and another for those that had a bad experience at church. And we're complaining about it. They called the service names, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. That's funny. That's sad. That's unnecessary. Because there's an undeniable flow of power in worship. He already knows about your failure. He already knows about your shortcomings. He already knows about your insecurities. He knows about your besetting sins. He knows about your fear. Yet He still gives us a declaration that we must, that we must, that we must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Let me declare to you tonight that I believe, I don't care what name you put on your door, but we're standing in an apostolic church and we preach repentance. We preach baptism in Jesus' name for the remission of sins. And we preach the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. I believe that that is the truth. So if obtaining truth requires my worship, then keeping truth requires my worship. Woo! Look at your neighbor tonight and say, Woo! If we want to see breakthroughs in our life, we can sit around and talk about it. We can sit around and talk about how it used to be. We can sit around and be in the mully grubs about, well, I, re I remember when the church used to shout. I remember when the church used to worship. That is the very reason why we don't anymore is because we spend more time talking about it than doing it. And I'm telling you, now is the time. Now is the time to restore worship. Listen, I, I, can't, 
can't predict to you. I'm not a prophet and I don't feel the spirit of the prophet on me tonight outside of his word. I can't tell you tonight what, the, what, what tomorrow holds. I'll say this as unpolitically as I can. This world's in trouble. And the answer for the church, because here's what I believe, and I believe the Word of God supports this. I've heard Bishop teach this. The darker it gets out there, right, Brother Terry? The darker it gets out there, I'm talking symbolically now, the darker it gets out there in the sin and the degradation of this world, the brighter the light of the church ought to shine. We need the light of First Apostolic Church in this community. We don't know what that this community could not be worse than it is if we hadn't been planted on 1121 Cedar Street 14 years ago. We're here for a purpose. I know we've got fewer people today than we did then. we got to get that out of our mind. There is a purpose we're here. There is a purpose we're here. That purpose has not been fully served yet. God still has a purpose. God still has a plan. And God needs his body to be worshiping him. Now is the time for a deeper. Oh, I wish somebody would join Bishop right now. Now is the time for a deeper Worship experience with God. Somebody clap your hands to him. Somebody lift your voice to him. Somebody lift your hands to him. Come on, somebody call on his name right now. It's in your worship. It's in your worship. It's in your worship. Come on. God wants us to rise up. God wants us to get out of our sleep. God wants to give us keys during our seasons of worship that will unlock the path before us and bring glory into our situation. Those of you that are here tonight and you've got problems in your life, let me tell you, your deliverance is in your worship. You need to worship God through your difficulty. I'm not trying to be insensitive tonight. I'm with you in the difficulty. I'm with you in the problems. And I'm telling you, God spoke to me and said, it is in your worship. There's no storm he can't conquer. There's no resistance he can't pull back. There's no victory he can't render. He can break every chain. He is a way maker. He's a problem solver tonight. Psalm 96 and 1 says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless his name. Shew forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his doings among the, his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. God desires persevering worship. 
be seated. Let me tell you. Now is not the time to retreat. Now, now is not the time to slow down. And if you've slowed down, it's time to speed up. Now is not the time to hide behind your personality. I know, I know because I'm licensed in it. I know that our church is full of a bunch of introverts. But let me dispel some myths right here, all right? Let me dispel some myths. Introverts doesn't mean quiet. And extrovert doesn't mean loud. Now, I don't have the time nor the luxury to explain to you why, but if you want me to, meet me after church sometime and I'll be happy to spend the time to explain it to you. Shy is an attribute of both introverts and extroverts. And if you need another reason, your pastor is an introvert. And he's the loudest worshiper in this building. So I'm not trying to get on you, but I am trying to wake us up tonight. This is not time to be hiding behind shy and quiet and, oh, I just don't do that. If you don't do that, you're not in love with your God the way he wants you in love with him. Come on, somebody. God wants us to rise. God wants us to rise in this hour. Oh, I feel my help right now. This is not a time to retreat. February 19th, my life changed. A few days before that, flashback, same week, three or four days before, I wish I'd wrote down the exact day, I had a dream. It was, it was so real. Sister Rhonda, it spoke to me. It spoke to me so much that when I woke up the next day, I said, okay, God, I don't know what that means. You're going to have to show me. Here was the dream. I, I know that we've got people in this congregation now that don't know him. But many of you, many of you do. But in my dream, I saw Bishop Willard Clement worshiping at a camp meeting. I recognized the camp meeting. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. This was well past 2000. This was in 2013. But I had seen the video on Facebook when it happened in 2013. God recalled that back to me. And I saw Oh, I appreciate our elders so much. Anybody that knows Bishop Clement knows that all his life he was a worshiper. 
And the man, uh, long, lanky legs, loved to dance. He'd dance while he was preaching. I'm too fat for that. But I'll try. He was... Now this happened in May of 2013. He passed away in February 2014. All right? Couldn't dance like he used to. But he reminded me of Sister Margaret a few weeks ago. She got out in the aisle. Oxygen tank on. Walking. Praising. Giving God praise. Bishop Clement, they were singing praising for the victory. Bishop Clement was doing one of these numbers. That's all he could do. His physical man was failing him. But he was doing this. I could take you to the video. My sweet future daughter-in-law helped me find the video. And I've got it saved because it spoke to me so much. Bishop, he's going across the front. And I think God used him because I've got so much family in church, I needed to hear from somebody else just for my own self. God said, through that dream, Bishop Clement, he got to about right here and about where Brother Chris Sutton's sitting is the viewpoint, the vantage point that I had. And he turned and looked at me. You know how he looked over his glasses. And he turned and looked at me and said, Brother Jerry. It's in your worship. That's all he said. And he went back to I woke up. I thought, God, what's that mean? God, what are you trying to tell me? My life had been turned upside down for months on end. I didn't, I didn't know I'd get emotional here. But on Friday, at 1 o'clock, Walked into the conference room. And my boss looked at me. And he said, I've come to tell you, I'm replacing you. Your replacement starts on Monday. If you want to help, you've got 10 weeks to work. If you don't want to help, today's your last day. Any man worth his salt knows what that feels like. To not be able to provide for your family. I was devastated. I did everything I could, I could do. Later that afternoon when I was unpacking that with my wife and my son and Grace. The dream came back to me. I was sitting in the recliner. I remember it, and I said, hey, I had a dream, and we began talking about it. That's whenever she sent me to the link. Then I understood what God was saying. 
my deliverance, my sustaining was going to come from my worship. I want somebody to understand tonight, you might be going through hardships. I understand things can be emotionally devastating and hard. Sometimes life is not fair. Still today, I don't understand it. There's so many emotions I go through still, even though I've accepted it. Life. Life can be so overwhelming. I've come to tell somebody tonight, if you're overwhelmed by the troubles of this life, you need to worship. I can't tell you enough. Stand with me right now. The overwhelming burden of life and circumstances. We've got people here tonight that have health problems. And I say this as sensitively as I can because I know what it's like to not even know where my next breath is going to come from. I may not have been where you're at, but we've, we've been through some things together. You cannot afford to allow the enemy of your soul to convince you that it's okay to be quiet. Because if he can quiet the church, he's going to overtake the church. I've got got eight more pages of notes and I don't have time tonight. But let me close with this tonight as the musicians are coming. I've I've left it all on the field tonight. I've given you everything I've got to try to convince somebody tonight. Stop trying to maintain control and worship. Let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you why. Why the devil is trying to quiet the church. I I have I have often heard, I've even made the statement myself enough embarrassingly so. Well, I'm listening. I've said it. I admit it. I repent before the face of God whenever He convicted me and showed me how dumb that sounded. Well, I'm listening. Let me tell you something. The act of listening does not require silence. I remember a time that you could get up here and say, Boom! And everybody... people shouting all over the place there was a day I thought really but oh what I wouldn't give right now for us as the body of God to be so sensitive to his spirit that all it would take is one boo and the Holy Ghost fall 
But I want to tell you tonight why Satan wants you to be quiet. The Word of God, when, when, when Lucifer was cast out of heaven, he was cast out into the form of a serpent. Hear me. You don't want to know why he wants you to be quiet? It's because snakes don't like loud noise. Look it up. Animalhow.com. Look it up. Research it. Serpents and snakes, they feel the vibration. They dislike noise so much that it physically makes them sick. I'm declaring right now on the authority of the name of Jesus that the people of this church need to start making their adversaries sick. This is time to rise up. This is time to elevate the volume. Ah. Let me tell you, when I go to a ball game, I don't go to take a nap. And I don't need to hear the crack of the bat on the ball to rejoice. I see it. I know it happens. There's only one species of snakes that has a voice box. And the noises they make are so high-pitched, no human can hear them. Satan wants you quiet. He wants us mature. He wants us to be duped into the lie of believing I've been Holy Ghost filled for 30 years. Let me let the young people do that. Let, let, I'm, I'm trying to close. I know it's 50 minutes in. I'm sorry. But let me say this. And again, I, I, God, you know my heart. But I want you to know tonight, I'd be less than a man of God if I didn't tell you truth. You either going to make a noise in heaven or you're going to make a noise in hell. Neither one are quiet. You're either going to make a noise weeping and gnashing of teeth or you're going to be bowing before the throne of God saying it holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So I know, I know some of you are fighting physical ailments. Brother Terry McGee, sir, I say this humbly and sincerely tonight. You've went through more than any man I think I know. But I am proud of you and I appreciate the fact that you're here. Because if he can quiet you, he'll get you to quit. 
last Sunday night, I saw Brother Terry engage in the Spirit in a way that I hadn't seen in a long time. And I don't say that judgmentally. I don't say that critically. Because I know you haven't felt yourself. I, I say I know. I don't even know the half of it. And I know that. But what I do know. Is if we could just lift our hands. I may not be in a dancing posture right now, God. But I'm not going to stop lifting my hands. I'm not going to stop lifting my voice. I need as many as can get in this altar tonight. Just get here and stand. Don't kneel yet. I need as many as can to get in this altar tonight. If God's speaking to you right now, I need you in this altar. Bring your babies with you. When we respond, we're telling God and we're serving notice to the devil that we're agreeing with what's being said and with what God is doing. Be careful being quiet. You quiet folks in nature, be careful being quiet in your worship because let me tell you what God spoke to me last Sunday night. I didn't say it because it wasn't time yet, Bishop. I kept praying. You know how that is. And God never gave me a release to say it last week, but I do feel released tonight. God is not pleased when our fellowship is out is louder than our worship. So don't tell me you can't talk. I, I, I know better. Because when we dismiss and before we... I, I had to have Brother Malone uh, uh, draw our attention to starting service this morning because we was loud. And that's all right. That's all right. But whenever worship starts, don't do this. If you can fellowship, you can worship. Brother Terry, thank you, sir, for being an example. Thank you, Sister Rhonda, for being an example. Because I know everything he's went through, you've went through. Thank you, Sister Margaret, for being an example to my generation. That it doesn't matter how old you are. I say that respectfully. You know I love you. It doesn't matter what, how mature you are. That God still deserves Last Sunday night, there was a message in tongues and interpretation. I wrote it down to the best of my memory. It is not 100% full, but here is what I remembered. Because I have, I, have, I have caught word that there are people that are asking, what did that mean? It said, hear the voice of the Lord. Should the farmer go to his field and see the barley and wheat blowing in the wind and harvest it not 
he reapeth not what he has sown. Likewise, don't come into my presence and not consume me. To come in my presence and worship me not. Your presence is vain. What's that mean? I'll declare to you tonight what I believe God meant by that. And I believe I've got a right to say this. Is that it's not just enough to be in His house. To be in His house and not engage with Him. You get nothing. You get nothing because you're not given anything. God's calling on some people tonight who love Him and in their heart's desire know that they need to get into His presence. This is the last thing I say tonight. I was listening to a message in the first watch this morning, Bishop. A lady, a lady in an apostolic church wanted her husband saved so bad. Wanted her husband saved. She took a suit, full suit, no person. She took it to church. She worshiped with that suit. Every time she ran the aisles, she took her husband's suit with her. Ah. Every time she'd leap for joy, she had her husband's suit in her hands, declaring to God through her worship, my husband's going to be saved. That pastor said, he's in their church today, Holy Ghost filled, wearing his own suit. telling you tonight God's not done with you 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 if you need something from God you need to get it into the hands of God I'm not picking on you but when that story was told the Lord immediately tweaked my spirit about you. And this is what I felt the Lord speak to me. And I feel it right now under the unction of the Holy Ghost. You keep bringing those grandbabies to church. And you keep those grandbabies in worship. Oh! Because in you bringing your grandbabies in worship, God's going to save Sarah. How can you say that? I'm saying it tonight by faith because that's what God spoke. Get those kids in worship. They're going to take Holy Ghost power home. They're going to take conviction home. God isn't done. Lift your hands right now all over this house. As we sing, somebody lift your hands. Let God minister to you. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.